You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So, why in the world? Because here's the thing. I, I, I mean, I know I'm talking to people over a lot, a lot of different demographics. I mean spiritual demographics here. A lot of different spiritual demographics happening right here in this, in this service right now. Why in the world? And I know some of you are thinking, why in the world do I want to listen to Jesus talk about sex? Why do I want to listen to Jesus? Because you know, Jesus didn't get married. Didn't have any girlfriends. I mean, not only did he not have sex, probably didn't even have a date, you know? Maybe, you know so you're thinking, did he even deal with the stuff that we did? Well, if he was all human, then he dealt with the same things that we dealt with. The Word of God tells us he was tempted in all manners like you and I are tempted. But that's not why we listen to Jesus. Well, maybe it's because he created sex. He instituted marriage. Is that why? Another good reason, but that's not the reason we're going to use today, okay? Let, let me give, because I, again, like I say, for some people, it's enough for me to say today because God said so, and you're going to say, okay, if God said so, but for a growing number of us, that's not enough. Even a growing number of Christians, it's not enough for you to hear that God said so. So what, what, what do you need to hear? You need to hear something else. You need to hear something. So let me, let me show you something, okay? Uh, maybe remind you, and I, and I think we all know this. We hadn't thought about it in this way, okay? Um, great quote right here from Tim, Tim Keller. And, and he's talking about the Christian sexual ethic, or the Christian ethic of sexuality, okay? And here's what he says. He says, this ethic, this Christian ethic, replaced the wrong Greco-Roman model of sexuality. And he says wrong because he's saying, I'm calling it that. It's in parentheses. I'm calling it wrong. This Christian ethic replaced the wrong Greco-Roman, Greek, and Roman model of sexuality. What was it? It was that men of higher status even if they were married, they were allowed to demand sex with anyone of lower social status. So the first laws versus rape and sex without consent grew from this Christian ethic of sexuality. Since then, since then, every branch of the Christian church, Orthodox church, the Catholic church, and all the Protestant church, since then, every branch of the Christian church in every culture and in every century has taught the ethic of sexual abstinence outside of marriage. Okay? That's a, and the reason I read that to you is because I could explain that, but it would take me about 30 minutes, you know. And he said it so, so just, just in such a quick way right there. And so let us remember... That when we're, because I think, you know, why are we talking about this today is because I think one of the things we're doing in our world today is we continue to throw out things. I know some of you are already thinking cancel culture. I'm not even just talking about people who are into the cancel culture. I'm talking about people sitting even right here maybe. And we keep throwing things away and we say, yeah, but I want, but I want my freedom or I want this or I believe this or I believe that. But let us remember, let, let us remember back. That, that, that the sexual mores that you and I still embrace today, they came from Christianity. This, this idea that it is wrong for a boss to harass or to require sex from his underlings, his uh, employees, his secretary, whatever. You know where that came from? It didn't come from the Greeks. It didn't come from the Romans. They were actually doing that. It, ca it came from Christian, the Christian sexual ethic. That's where it came from. 
So, so uh, you know, but I know what we want to do is we just want to throw out those parts that we don't like. You know, we want to hang on to the parts that we do like. Oh, I want that protection. But we don't realize that when we're throwing out all those other things that we're losing the protection, maybe not for ourselves, but for someone else. Jesus, when he spoke about sexuality in Matthew chapter 19, the first nine verses, he drills down into it. He teaches sex within strict monogamy, okay? Y'all know what monogamy is, right? That means one man and one woman. Strict monogamy, one man, one woman for life. Seriously? For life? You think I can live with this woman for life? You know, just one woman for life? That's the way this thing was created. That's how it works. That's how it's beautiful. That's where, I, I mean, people today say, well, there's not really any intimacy in sex. No, because we stripped all that out of it. This is the way it was created. It was designed for us. One man, one woman for life. And then the beauty of it and all of that. So that's the way God created it, but that's not what we want to listen to. Let me give you an example of, because, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like, when you've got something in, in your house that breaks down, you know, if your washing machine breaks down, you don't go find the dishwasher repair manual, you know, and go fix it, right? I mean, you want to fix it. And, you know, if you could talk to the guy that built the dishwasher, then, man, you, you know, you're going to be in really good shape because he knows how it was. That's the same way this is with this. Okay, so many things, so many reasons why we need to listen to the one who created it, who designed it and say, this is the way it works and this is the way it works best. You know, let me just give you one example. For instance, if the whole world for just one generation would follow Christ in one man, one woman for life, the way it was designed to be back in Genesis, it, for just one generation, if the whole world would follow it for just one generation, we would literally wipe out every sexually transmitted disease in one generation. Understand? why his way is better, and so many other things that we get from this. But, but, but we don't want to listen to the Bible. That's old fogey. That's antiquated. That's old-fashioned. That's out of date. Nobody does that anymore, pastor. Man, how old are you, pastor? You know, nobody does that anymore. We don't want to listen to Jesus. We'd rather listen to media, culture, the news, Right? Well, that movie we watched just the other night, we'd, we'd rather listen to that. A few months ago, and uh, one of the shows that I, I, I kind of like to watch is called The Rookie. All right, so I'm watching The Rookie. Now, The Rookie's about a 40-year-old guy that decides he's going to become a policeman. Okay, he's 40 years old, he becomes a rookie, so he's the old rookie, right? So I'm watching this. It's uh, season three, episode one, and right about 29 minutes in, one of the characters uh, he, he walks in and he's got, a, he's got a pregnancy test in his hand and his girlfriend's there and he's showing it to her that I found your pregnancy test. You know, and so here, and here's, she starts talking. Here's what she said. You know, and here's what I'm thinking. I'm watching a crime show. I don't want to hear about a pregnancy test, right? <laughs> I, I'm a guy. You know, this, I, I, I'm not interested in this, but here it goes. Okay, this wasn't how it was supposed to go, she's saying. She said, this is what I wanted. I wanted the storybook wedding and the hubbub that we never forget. I wanted the romance before the responsibility. But isn't that the cry of our culture today? I mean, substitute the word fun for romance there, right? And I wanted the fun before the responsibility. 
I didn't want to be pregnant yet. I just wanted to have sex. I, I I didn't want to have the responsibility of what might happen if I have sex. How that's going to impact me physically, emotionally, spiritually. How it's going to impact my future. How it's going to impact my future relationships. How it's going to impact you if this doesn't work out. How we might end up, yes, with a child that, uh, you know, that is going to be raised in a broken family because we aren't married yet. I, I, I don't want all that responsibility. I just wanted the romance. And so that's what we've done. And we've got it backwards. We have it backwards. Sex was not designed to be the first thing that we give away in a relationship. Sex is so much a part of who we are that it is only to be given when we are giving our whole self to someone. And we only give that whole self. If we give our our, our whole self to someone today and then we say, but I'm gonna give my whole self to somebody else tomorrow, you didn't give your whole self. You just gave today or yesterday or you gave a few days, or a few weeks, or a few months. Sex was designed. It was designed to be a part, to be one of the the final things that you give away in that relationship. And that's why, for so many people today, sex, I'm trying to keep this PG-13 here, okay? Sex and all the other things doesn't mean as much as it meant as much as God meant for it to mean. And so we have to decide. We have to decide, you know, what what do we want? I mean, if we truly, truly want the romance, and boy, I don't have time to preach that sermon. Some of you have heard it because I've preached that about, if you truly want the romance, then you gotta get the sex part right. The romance doesn't come after the sex. You gotta get that right, okay? But let's go somewhere else for just a few minutes. Let's talk about, I mean, y'all, it's, it's, getting, it's getting a little uneasy right there. We're sitting already uncomfortable, right? Let's talk about pornography, okay? Y'all need me to get everybody bow their heads, close their eyes, and let you slip out the door out the back real quick, okay? No, let's talk about pornography because, you know, here's the thing. There's very few of you sitting here right now that are embarrassed like you were embarrassed 10 years ago when I preached on this. Let's talk about pornography. What is pornography? I mean, one of the things we're going to find out what pornography isn't right here, okay, is we're going to find out pornography is not nudity, okay? And nudity isn't pornography. They're not synonymous. Look right here. This is according to Merriam-Webster. Pornography is the depiction of erotic behavior as in pictures or writing intended to cause sexual excitement. Do you see anything about nudity, dress, anything like that? Don't see anything there. Doesn't say anything about that, right? Doesn't have anything to do with that. Okay, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, now, and Jesus, again, he's talking about, and he had some people asking, you know, well, what about this and what about this? He said, no, 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 let me say this to you. This is what Jesus, no, 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 here's what I say to you, that anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You know, because we don't commit sin, we act out sin with our hands, but we don't commit the sin here, we commit the sin here. The sin begins here. And so when you look at someone, what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, she can be wearing a burqa, and you can still lust after her and commit adultery with her in your heart. And that's not just a male and fe- male thing. That's also a female thing. Ladies, he can be dressed up head to toe in the nicest tuxedo anyone ever rented. And some of you say, yeah, that's really sexy to me. Yeah, exactly. And you can lust and commit adultery in your heart. 
It doesn't have anything to do with nudity. So, so I, I know that's, some people say, well, well, I know some people will say, well, then, then that means I can look at nudity and not commit sin. I, I didn't say that. I say it's kind of like being an alcoholic, hanging out bars all the time. You're just playing with fire, you know. And the other side of that is that it doesn't require nudity for you to lust and for you to commit adultery with someone. Jesus said it doesn't even require contact because it's a sin. See, we think it's a sin of the flesh, but Jesus, Jesus said right here, it's a sin of the heart. It begins right here. And I know there's some argument about, but you know, people, you Christian pastor, you watch the rookie, you know that there's all kinds of stuff, like there's murder and stuff. Let, let's de delve into that for just a moment. Why watching scenes of a sexual nature is different from watching a show with murder, violence, robbery, and other kinds of wrongdoing. I, I am not saying that I'm better because I watch The Rookie and you watch something else. I'm not saying that. I'm, almost, I'm just saying there's a difference, and here's the difference, okay? Because when you're watching a show and you see some of these things, murder is fiction, all right? If you watch NCIS, and I started to thought, uh, I'd say, who likes NCIS? But y'all don't want to raise your hand right now because you think that's a loaded question. I don't know where you're going with this, Pastor. I'm not going to admit to anything right now. If you're watching NCIS and somebody gets killed, guess what? Nobody died. It was fiction, right? Or a robbery, okay? You know, uh, Chicago PD. You watch somebody on Chicago PD, there's, a, there's a, a, a diamond heist. Somebody steals a whole bunch of diamonds. Guess what? They weren't really diamonds. And after the show's over, the diamonds, the, the fake diamonds, go back into the prop room for the next episode of somebody on, that needs to use some fake diamonds, right? There was no robbery or, or violence. You like SEAL Team? I like SEAL Team. That's one of my shows I like also. A lot of violence on that, okay? A lot, a lot of violence there, and some people say, that, that's just as bad. Well, let me tell you the difference in this, and I'm not saying it's not bad. I'm just saying, let me tell you the difference in that and, and, and sexuality. And... Um, and, and, and the difference, as far as like with, with violence, is if you're watching SEAL Team and you see a couple of guys go at it, whether they've got weapons or they're just going at it with their fists, maybe occasionally, every once in a while, somebody might swing a little too close, bloody a nose, you might see some blood by accident, but there was no real violence. The violence was fiction. But sex and nudity is not fiction. When an actor or an actress lies naked next to someone who is not their spouse, that is real. It's not fiction. They may be portraying something, but they are laying there naked with someone who's not their spouse. And this is probably the most potentially offensive comment I will make, but let me see if I can make it and get on by and you guys not to be too embarrassed by it. But when an actor or an actress on TV screen, movie screen, whatever, fondles someone who is not their spouse, that's not fiction. It just happened. We're not even going to go to intercourse or things like that, but let's just say just that part. Now, I'm going to sound like a real old fogey to you right here, okay? Is I don't even know how I feel about Actors and actresses kissing people that aren't their spouses. 
Old fogey, right? <laughs> Y'all want to raise your hand? Y'all want to vote right now? Old fogey, right? No, don't, don't, don't do that. You can tell me later, right? Old fogey. <laughs> really, Pastor? You, do, do, do you not every once in a while see one of those things where, you know, even actors or actresses get mad at one another because of a, of a scene that their spouse did? It, here's the way I look at it. It's when I see that, I just think, now I'm not talking about a peck on the cheek. You know what, I, I, I kind of see, okay, okay, maybe a peck on the cheek. I'm talking about the amorous. And I'm, try, I'm thinking about all these little phrases we used to use back when I was a teenager, and I'm trying to keep this PG-13 right here, okay? So you just use the ones you're thinking about, okay? As you're thinking about that. And I'm, I'm not thinking about pecks on the cheek, but I'm talking about the amorous kissing that goes on. And I'm thinking about, I don't, I don't know if I could let my wife do that. Can I get an amen there? <laughs> Maybe I don't sound quite, quite as much like an old fogey right now. Then let's follow that thought for just a moment and say, you know what? If I'm watching something on TV that I would not allow my spouse to sign up to be an actor or an actress for, then I probably shouldn't be watching it on TV. If it's something that I would not want to see my spouse do, then I probably should not be party to it. But oh, but I'm not party to it, Pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm just watching it, right? I'm just watching it, right, right? No. Now see, I, I've been hurting you down to this little, little point right here, okay? Because I know that's what we think, is we think, yeah, but all I'm doing is watching it, Pastor. I'm hurting it. I've been, I've been bringing you to this point right here. So let's go to the book of Romans chapter 1. And in Romans chapter 1, now, do you remember that first quote that we have from Tim Keller about how, man, how vile it was in Rome and in the Roman Empire and how all, all of this stuff. Now, Paul spends all the, several of these verses in Romans chapter 1 writing to the church in Rome. And it's basically like, look, you're seeing all kinds of junk out there. You're seeing all kinds of things that, that should not be happening. You're seeing all kinds of stuff, and it's all around you and all of that. And here's how he wraps that up. He says, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Now, we're talking about spiritual death here, okay? He's not telling these people, go get your sword, go kill it every time you see somebody doing something. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about a spiritual death, talking about eternal judgment. He's talking about eternal death. Okay, so those, those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Okay, now, I don't normally go too deep into, into words and things, but there is a word in this verse that the whole verse and the whole thought, especially the last part, really hinges on, and so we got to dig in just a little bit right here, and it's the word for encourage right there at the beginning of that last line. This Greek word translated encourage means this. It means to approve or applaud. Okay, stop there just a minute. Let's drop those two words in there. Worse yet, okay, these people that do these things, they are worthy of spiritual death. Worse yet, they approve or applaud others who do them. You know, like, man, that was a great show last night, standing around the water cooler. You know, that was a great show last night. What do you think about mm-hmm, 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 and all of that? It, it means to encourage, which we've got there. It means to delight or have pleasure. Let's drop that in there. Worse yet, they delight or they have pleasure watching others do 
these things. Ooh, that word means I consent. Wait a minute, I I don't consent, I'm just watching it. But that's our argument, right? We're just watching it. But that word right there that, that God has, has impressed Paul to write here to the church in Rome, it's a word that says, I consent, I agree, I have of one, one mind with, I am willing. I am a willing participant in this. And it goes on, it means to consent heartily, it means to identify with. That when I'm watching, I'm identifying with this. And that's what happens to us. You know, and you and I both know that. The more we watch something, the more we're involved with something, the more we hang out with somebody, the more we talk like them act like them, dress like them, all those things, uh, to cooperate with and do together. What do together? What does he say? He's saying that when we watch these things, we're doing them with those people as well. Let me, um, looking at my time there, I really, I've really done a lot better. I think I, I got a couple of quotes, and I'm, I think I may be able to get both these in before I wrap up. So let, let me go to that, that first one. This is from Benson. Now, Benson, John ben, uh, Joseph Benson, he is a, 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 write, wrote a commentary called Benson's Commentary. You know, the, these are guys that really study the Bible and really study the Hebrew and study the Greek, and they really dig into it and everything. And here's his comments on this little passage of Scripture that you and I were just kind of digging into a little bit there. He says, approve, encourage, and patronize them in others. It's not just encourage, it's approving, it's a patronizing, it's enjoying, and even taking pleasure in their committing them. This is the highest degree of wickedness. Thereby, he encourages them in sin and heaps the guilt of others upon his own head. That when we're engaged in and enjoying pornography, wait a minute, we're we're talking about pornography here. And I know what some of us are going to say is, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. We're talking about that evil violence. No, no, no. We're talking about things that elicit sexual pleasure or sexual response, those things. And it doesn't have to be nudity because, remember, it can't even be just written. It can be just a, a novel that you don't need to be reading, those kinds of things. And, wh- and what does it say? He heaps the guilt of others upon his own head. An- another, co- another guy that wrote a commentary called Noman, uh, it was ben- Bengel, let's, uh, let's read his comments about this. It is a worse thing, and there's the Greek word that is actually there, the Greek word that we were looking at earlier, to, uh, to approve of the evil. It is a worse thing to approve of the evil. It is a worse thing to do that Greek word, for he who perpetrates what is evil is led away by his own desire. So if, if you do evil, you're led away by your own desire. But he who does that, you know, the Greek word again, or approves, enjoys, uh, uh, you know, encourages. He that does that with the heart and with the tongue, that which is evil, has as the fruit of wickedness, wickedness itself. He feeds upon it. He adds it to the heap of his own guilt, the guilt of others, and inflames others to the commission of sin. He heaps upon himself the guilt. He doesn't just have his own sin, but he heaps the sin that he's watching, that he's involved in, that he's engaged with, that he's approving of, that he is enjoying. He heaps that on top of himself and inflames others to the commission of sin. You know, none of us here are involved in human trafficking, I I believe. But when we're involved with pornography online, we're also inflaming and encouraging others to the commission of that sin. And the same thing is going on with the pornography that we have 
agreed to and allowed into our lives. I, I, you know, I, I know these are the sermons that, you know, it, it gets really quiet in the room. And it's really a dangerous thing for the congregation because pastor don't, doesn't know if, if everybody's with him or against him and if he needs to just keep on and just nail you to the wall or whatever, that kind of thing, right? But let me give you four reasons why to steer clear of pornography. And we'll wrap this up, okay? Four reasons. And the first one is Jesus. You know, if Jesus were here physically today, sitting right here listening to me and all that, I would be a lot more nervous than I am, obviously. Um, I, I don't know if I'd have been able to preach, right? But, but say he was here kind of on a regular basis. And every once in a while he'd go home with me and Deva, you know, and after church, you know, and we'd have dinner. And I could see myself sitting on the couch with Jesus watching a Braves game. I mean, he's got to be a Braves fan, right? I mean, if he's, if he's living right here with us, he, you know, I mean, it's about one of your only options anyway. You know, I could see us watching a Braves game. And you know what? I could see us watching, say, say the Spider-Man movies, right? Yeah, that's pretty wholesome, right? Uh, but you know what? I watch those with my grandkids, and we've had to start using a, a filter, a vid angel, or clear play. Ask me about them if you don't know about them. I wish we'd have put these on in the sermon notes. If you want to know about them, ask me about them, okay? You can actually, Vet Angel says you can watch however the bleep you want because you get to bleep it out. This goes away. And, and I'm being able to watch, watch these movies, you say there's not a lot in there. There's, there's just enough for a pastor to not want to sit with his 10-year-old grandson and have to explain what that word means. But I could see myself watching a Spider-Man movie with Jesus. The question is, what about all those other things on our DVR? What about all those other things that we binge watch? What about those, all those other things? Perhaps we need to just, can I challenge you? Can I dare you? Can I, can I encourage you to go look through your DVR today? Can I encourage you to think about the, the shows that you watch, the movies that you are just wrapped all up in? And just ask yourself this question. If Jesus had come home with me today, is this a movie that I would pull up and I would say, let's watch together? Should I be watching this with Jesus? Because you know what? I mean, the way I was taught, raised, the way I always heard it growing up in church was Jesus is in the room with me when I'm watching the show. I meant, if he's here, he, he, it's not like, do I want to invite Jesus to watch this? If I'm watching it, I've already invited him in to watch it. He's there. So the first reason is Jesus. Second reason is your kids. You know, we've, I'm afraid we've gotten a little bit of a false sense of safety and security, you know, because we don't, real, we don't really think that our kids are, I think, I think some people actually really believe that their kids are not really being introduced to pornography yet. But let me remind you of this. You know, when I was a kid, pornography was branded. Playboy, penthouse, hustler. It was in one section of whatever stores it was in. It was in one section of the grocery store, maybe, or whatever. And if somebody bought it, they probably took it home and they stuck it in a dresser drawer or whatever. And so, you know, just the curious little eight-year-old looking for his dad's pocket knife might run across it. And be addicted to pornography for the rest of his life. That doesn't happen. Yes, it happens. You don't counsel with the people that I counsel with. 
but today it's not branded. Playboy, here it is. This is the bad stuff. Where's your phone? Where's your phone? Here it is. Every bit of pornography, every nude picture that has ever been published is right here in my hand right now. And then what we do is like, here, honey, while we're waiting on dinner, you could just go watch some videos. And we put it right, maybe you're interested again in VidAngel and ClearPlay right now. For the sake of your kids, steer clear of pornography. Because we think, we think most kids find out about pornography from their friends. But the fact and actuality is many, many kids today find out and get addicted to pornography because it's too right there in their house. I, I, gotta, I gotta hurry. The third, the third reason is your spouse. The Bible talks about in sexual matters not defrauding your spouse. Yet when you engage in pornography, you are defrauding your spouse. You are taking some of the, some of the passion, some of the excitement, some of the whatever words you want to use right there, and again, stay in PG-13 right here, some of the hormonal stuff going on, you're taking some of that away from your spouse and you're giving it to something else in your life. And I know some of you are not, not married yet, and so you say, Phew. well, he's really been jumping on these married people here for the past couple minutes. He got kids and he got spouse and everything. Oh, no, let me, let me get you too, okay? Your future spouse. Because listen, listen to me, you single people. You are right now. The day you say I do is not when you start building your home. You are building the foundation of your home right now. Sexually and in every other way. You are building a sexual, the way you look at sex and the way, the, all the stuff. I, I mean, I've, I've heard people talk about, about how I've been so promiscuous. Every time I close my eyes with my spouse, I see all those other relationships that I've had. You are building, if you're not married yet, you are building your foundation of your home right now. Don't, don't allow yourself to be deceived that what you're doing right now will not matter once you say I do. Because it's going to be hard to keep those relationships out of your bedroom up here when you get there. Man, what in the world should we do then? You know what would really be smart is for us to just back up to the beginning of this message and let's say Jesus did have it figured out in this part and in this part and in this part, three things that I showed you. He did have it figured, maybe he's got it figured out in all these others as well. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at Church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.